and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by James Morahan. So James has worked in a number of different sports, including fight sports, football with the English Football Association, and currently rugby. Having completed his PhD in the field of nutrition makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can fuel up to make sure you're building as much muscle as possible. So without further ado, it's time to welcome James onto the show. So James, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back on again. How are we, Matt? Are you okay? Oh, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good, mate. All good this end. Thank you. Excellent stuff. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, Christ, quick introduction. Um, undergraduate degree from Liverpool John Moores University, um, straight into my master's uh, sport physiology at LJMU. And then I completed my PhD at Liverpool um, in sport nutrition and applied physiology with a focus, I guess, on professional rugby league players at the time. Um, and then after the PhD, I then got full-time role at England Football with the FA, supporting the international footy players over a four-year period. Um, and I've now left there and recently joined Bristol Bears Rugby Union down in the southwest of England, um, heading up the performance nutrition program there for the senior men, senior women and the academy guys as well. Um, and then on the outside of that, uh, working on my own business and company where I support elite athletes and clients to um, fuel and recover from the demands of their chosen sport. Absolutely excellent. And you've got a, a new book out as well, which we're going to touch on a little bit later. So that's uh, something that people can certainly uh, keep in the back of their minds as a nice little stocking filler if they enjoy the podcast. So we, we're going to discuss uh, protein. Um, we're going to discuss why it's important. But first things first, uh, what does it do? So uh, what does protein do in your body? Yeah, so I think um first thing to say here is that protein is not as simple as just fish and rice cakes, which I'm sure you know many listeners may have seen that video or TV program from a few years ago. Protein is an amazing macronutrient for the body, for the general person and the elite athlete. Um, and it's involved in pretty much every kind of reaction and process that the human body goes through every single day, um, whether that's skin, hair, eyes, um, metabolism, or the, the biggest kind of contributor to um, skeletal muscle. So pro protein is an amazing macronutrient full of amino acids that is very, very important to have within the nutritional intake on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that we can operate and run as a normal, healthy human being. And like, what are the, the key things that you find in, right? Obviously meat, uh, veg, like meat, meat and fish, for example. Like, are there any other sources that we can get that from? Yeah. So pr protein, it, it's in an amazing amount of foods that I think people forget about really. So yeah, your, your classic is, uh, all of the meats that you can get. So turkey, uh, beef chicken um and then of course you've got all of your fishes um cod sea bass um salmon and then of course you've got the all of the plant-based options as well so um tofu you've got all of the nuts the seeds pulses grains etc but then e even things like um bread so people wouldn't traditionally look at bread and think that bread's got protein in but it does it, it's a great contributor of carbohydrate of course but it does have protein in there as well 
Um, and then you've also got the dairy group. So uh, the milks, cheeses, yogurts. So protein is in an amazing amount of foods. Um, and it's really important that we get a, a mixed amount of those protein based foods in our diet every single day to make sure that we're getting that full amino acid profile that is required to be a, a healthy person and healthy athlete. Fantastic. So when, when we're trying to then maximize muscle gain, um, which a lot of people want to do, uh, a lot of athletes obviously want to do and a lot of general population want to do, like people want to look jacked. Um, so when we're trying to maximize muscle protein synthesis, how much protein do we then need to get in? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question and a, an interesting area to discuss because the current World Health Organization guidelines would state that 0.8 gram per kilo of body mass would be the, the recommended daily um, amount. So to keep numbers easy here, if you're 100 kilo, then what they're recommending there is 80 grams of protein a day would be the recommended amount. Now, hopefully, or, or the majority of listeners to the, to the podcast are, are either an athlete themselves or a weekend warrior or someone that's trying to gain muscle or they're working with athletes in their applied practice. And what we know from the literature, there's been some great meta-analysis and, and consensus statements in the area. And in summary, it, it's the target of 1.6 grams per kilogram of protein up to 2.2 and sometimes even higher to 2.5. So if we use that 100 kilo player again, it's a simple calculation of 100 times 1.6, which would give us 160 grams of protein a day. So quite substantially um, more than the World Health Organization guidelines. And the reason for that is because muscle uh, building protein and, and building muscle within the body is a very energetically uh, expensive process. It, the best way I describe it to the athletes I work with is that it, it costs a lot of calories. It costs a lot of money to, to build up a, a savings in the bank. And in this, in our world, it costs a lot of calories to build up a body that's got a lot of lean mass and a lot of muscle protein synthesis going on. So that 1.6 is, is really the minimum that I would recommend any of my athletes to be consuming. And actually a lot of my rugby players that are trying to build a substantial amount of lean mass, you know, they might be a young academy player at the moment and we're trying to really put some weight on him then I would recommend that they go up to 2.5 gram per kilo. Now, all of a sudden, if you're 100 kilo, 2.5, 250 grams of protein, to, to someone listening to that for the first time, they might think, oh my God, that, that's an amazing amount of protein to be consuming, which it is, but there's a reason for it because we're, we're genuinely trying to build, develop and grow a good amount of skeletal muscle on, on that body. And then it, it then comes down to the importance of, okay, how... How do we try and implement that into someone's nutritional intake over the course of the day? And, and what does that look like spread out over the course of the day? I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that we eat the leg of a cow at dinner <laughs> and we try and get 250 grams in, in, in the evening. But what we would do is advise the athletes to spread that out over regular time points throughout the day. And um, again, using the literature what what the the kind of evidence would suggest is that the optimal amount is around 0.3 grams per kilo of body weight um, each time to give your optimal amount of muscle protein synthesis so again if we use that 100 kilo player 
divide by 0.3 um, or sorry times by 0.3 that 100 kilo player the optimal amount every two to three hours would be about 30 30 grams of protein so then it's kind of 250 divided by 30 which is 250 divided by 30 um, is eight almost eight eight and a half intakes over the course of the day and you've hit your total amount so then you've got to break it down and say okay we're not just advising a big lump at dinner we're now saying look why don't we go why don't we try and hit breakfast mid-morning lunch mid-afternoon dinner pre-bed so that's six intakes and then you could argue that we then have a pre-exercise intake and a post-exercise intake if we do that, we've got eight feeding windows over the course of the day where we can hit 30 grams, which would allow that 100 kilo athlete to hit 250 grams as a total amount over the course of the day. And that's obviously, that's a lot, right? Like we're not talking about just like having a little uh, protein shake or a protein bar now. We're talking about a lot of food in the system. Um, what then is the disadvantage to, to getting that much protein in? Obviously, there's been some, uh, some people who've said uh, along the years, yeah, that's bad for you. I think that's probably, um, yeah, in the literature, it's fairly well clear that it's not that bad for you. But what then are the disadvantages? Yeah. So, and just touching on that as well, you know, I'll, I'll not directly quote Stu Phillips, but I remember listening to Stu, Professor Stu Phillips, who's a, one of the world leaders in protein metabolism and research. And, and he categorically says on presentations and conferences that there is no substantial evidence that suggests any um, negative impact of, of protein intake at that level on, on kidneys. And that's what everyone worries about, I guess. That's where the questions have been thrown out in the media before. But right now, there, there is no evidence to suggest that the protein intake of that amount is detrimental to the kidneys the kidneys are an amazing organ that can handle the job that they're meant to be doing um and so protein intake of that amount is 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 no problem really um and so one of i guess one of the detriments or not detriments but negative side effects if you want is there could be a cost implication to that that you know to consume that amount of protein through through food if you're an academy grade rugby player you might not be on a, a very well-paid contract. So, you know, is that difficult? It can be difficult, but it can also be quite easy when you start shopping in the right shops and buying the right foods. Um, as an example, eggs, milk and yogurt are, are three relatively cheap foods that can be brought, you know, from, I'm not going to name the supermarkets, but, <laughs> but um cheaper supermarkets than some of the more expensive supermarkets um and you know amazing sources of protein likewise when you go and buy pulses grains seeds nuts etc if you buy in bulk actually it doesn't work out too expensive and then it's just being really smart about combining those high protein sources into the meals that you're eating to really pack up and build those 30 40 gram meals at a time um so there can be a a side effect of being costly but actually when i've sat down with with players and, and educated them on the right things to be buying it it doesn't work out too expensive and the, and the best kind of hook that i give my players is like do you want to go and spend 15 pounds on a texas barbecue from a very well-known pizza brand and you have one meal or do you want to go and spend 15 pounds down at the butchers and probably get a week's worth of meat 
that puts it into very quick perspective, right? Like, uh, yeah, obviously one, one, uh, time eating out is fantastic, but, uh, a whole week of, uh, of decent meat on your plate, then yeah, I certainly wouldn't complain. Yeah, exactly. And how about for, uh, for athletes who have high carbohydrate intakes? Because obviously protein fills you up quite quickly. Um, how, how does that look in terms of, um, matching up the, the protein needs to the, the carbohydrate needs? Yeah, and I think this is, um, you know, the enjoyable challenge that nutritionists have in the applied world, which is genuinely educating players how to fuel for the work required. And something that I'm really going down a lot at the moment is eating with intent. So carbohydrate, again, an amazing macronutrient that the, the body needs, in my opinion, to fuel performance. I think, you know, there's substantial amount of evidence now that shows that glycogen is a key fuel source for higher intensity exercise that are prolonged. Um, and so I would always recommend that carbohydrate intake for my athletes is uh, periodized over the course of the day and importantly over the course of the week. So really no meal should look the same every single day and every single week of month because things change. Training times change, the intensity and duration of the training changes and of course, if we're in season, then we've got that amazing amount of exercise stress each week, which is the game. And so the day before the game and the day of the game, you could argue that protein intake shouldn't be 2.5 gram or two or 1.6 gram per kilo now. It should maybe drop down a little bit to make way for the athlete to consume up to six or eight gram per kilo of carbohydrate to genuinely fuel performance. And that's where you know, we talk about periodization of exercise training in the strength and conditioning world. Well, in nutrition, we have exactly the same. We periodize our nutritional intake to match the demands of the training day. And so that each meal is, is eating with intent and you're eating the right amount of macronutrients for that meal to cope with what's happening the rest of the day. I think that's some, some excellent advice. And I want to quickly touch on um, like a, one specific workout, right? So you've mentioned how the, how things can go, uh, up and down and fluctuate throughout the week, periodized based on the, the intensity of the training. But when we take one workout then, um, you mentioned earlier the, the guidelines for a day, but post workout, let's say you've done a full body hard workout, trying to maximize muscle protein synthesis. What do you need to be eating and at what time do you need to be eating it? <laughs> Yeah, so there's, <clears throat> I can't remember the author of the paper, but they looked at um, the protein feed post-exercise happening straight away, so in that acute window, or up to two to four hours after that exercise stress. And in fact, they don't, sh there's, there's no difference in terms of the um, uh, mus muscle protein synthesis and the rate of synthesis, whether you've fed Literally, the moment you put the dumbbell down and boom, you get the shake down, you, or you have a substantial protein meal of the same amount um, two to four hours later. So based off of that, the, really what we would advise is that, yes, if you can finish exercise and get your protein into relatively soon after, then brilliant. Like That's, that's genuinely going to help repair, recover, and regrow. However, if you go and if you have to go and do media or you've got to go and meet UCAD and, and do some urine samples and you don't hit that acute window, then don't worry about it. You've still got the opportunity two to four hours later to, to get the protein in. So 
you know, that classic watching the the big boy in the gym drop the dumbbell and then bang, straight down, straight down the shake goes. We don't really have to do that anymore. Um, we would just advise that within that first four hour window, we get that uh, good amount of protein to be consumed. Um, and there was a second part to your question there, which I forgot. Um, so the timing, like what, what specifically should they be eating, right? So you've got, uh, you've got a time, yeah. but then how many grams of protein, uh, what kind of foods could that include? Yeah. Again, so we would look to go back to that kind of 0.3 gram per kilo. So me as an example, 70 kilos, you might look at uh, 21 grams of protein, good quality source of protein that I would consume in that recovery window. Now, if I consume 30, is that a problem? Of course it isn't because I will still use that protein for other aspects of the body um, where it will be needed. If I consume 10, you could argue that I'm maybe not maximizing the potential of the resynthesis of the protein there. So that's why where that 0.3 figure comes from. Um, and, and, and it doesn't really have to be too much complicated from that. Um, so if I wanted to go and have a protein shake, I could for convenience and ease. But likewise, if I wanted to have a glass of milk, some Greek yogurt and a handful of blueberries as a recovery snack, I could because I'm probably hitting in and around the same protein content. Um, but I'd rather eat it than have it in a powder. So powders are obviously great and, and they're there to supplement a already good diet. But we don't have to live off of protein powder. And, and we certainly at, at the Bears now and when we were in England, we would highly encourage the, the players and the athletes to, to consume their daily amount of protein through food. Absolutely excellent stuff. And just to take a quick divergence then to, uh, to athletes where muscle mass might not be then the, the key, uh, the key differentiating factor or something that you necessarily want to, to increase that much. How would that look for endurance athletes? Do they, do they need to worry about their protein intake quite as much? Yeah, I, I, th I think they still do personally because, it, you know, the amount of training that they put through the body, whether that's 10, 15, 20K runs or, you know, two or three ci hour cycles, yes, there might not be a focus on 2.5 gram per kilo because we want to get bigger and, and grow and, and become a rugby player. But certainly you wouldn't want to drop protein below 1.6 um, because we've still got to repair, recover and look after the muscle that they've got. The the other thing that I would just um, kind of tap into a little bit here is that one of the benefits for an endurance athlete remaining functional and having a, a good body composition is then obviously that power to weight ratio but also the performance to weight ratio. So, you know, you don't want a cyclist on a bike that is carrying excess fat mass because it's dead weight that we don't need. And where possible, they need to be as lean as possible so that they're the most functional on the back of the saddle. Now, the way to do that through a nutritional strategy is that if we're trying to drop fat mass, then yes, we need carbohydrates to fuel performance and to fuel training, and we need to eat with intent, but also a macronutrient that will help us still consume a, an amazing amount of calories each day is protein. And that will look after the muscle and not really get in the way of someone that's trying to drop fat mass and, and utilize fat as that fuel source. And, you know, working with the boxers that I have done, that's something that we will use extensively to allow a boxer to go from 
86 kilos down to 76 kilos we we will make sure that they're consuming an amazing an amazing amount of calories per day carbohydrate will fuel the training and we'll eat with intent and we'll fuel for the work required but then protein will remain quite high throughout that um that uh camp so that the the box has got all of the chances to drop fat mass where needed to make the weight so in in brief to go back to your your question should endurance athletes keep protein high i would say yeah they they should do because we're trying to manipulate a better body composition on the on the bike or or on the track and we're also trying to support and look after muscle that we've got the opposite is that if we don't consume enough protein and we've got that amount of uh, training going through the body and that amount of duration of training per week, then we might start to experience an element of catabolism where we, we're struggling to look after the muscle that we've got. I think that's some absolutely fantastic advice. And what I'd love to do is kind of bring this all together now uh, with some practical examples. So when you look at uh, a day, for example, for an athlete who wants to increase their muscle mass, maybe they train in the gym once, maybe on the pitch once, uh, whatever it might be, how would you then plan your meals and what would those meals look like? Yeah, so I always work back from the like the actual performance or the training session. So let's let's say i've got rugby players uh, in the gym in the morning from 10 to 11 and then they're out on the field from 1 till 2 so there's clearly a, a resistance training session there that we need to fuel for and make sure that we've got protein in the body ready for the the exercise session so breakfast you know the the error here would be an athlete not consuming breakfast because you're going to really struggle to lift in the gym if Maybe we haven't got fuel and you, you haven't fueled for that training session. But likewise, you wouldn't really want to enter the, the gym room without having protein in the body because you're going to start breaking down the proteins as soon as you start lifting and you haven't had that intake of protein first. So um, carbohydrates and protein pre-gym. Then you, there's an argument to say, well, if it's a, a heavier rugby player that we may be trying to lean out a bit, then let's give them a protein source after the gym so that they can repair and recover. But I might withhold the carbohydrates until lunchtime. Lunchtime, I'm going to have good source of protein, carbs, vegetables, salads, um, and create that rainbow a day on the, on the plate because I now know that he's going into a field session in the afternoon and he wants the energy for that afternoon session because it's quite intense. There's a lot of tackles rucks scrummaging they do the afternoon session and then it now becomes a critical area of the day to say right what have you got going on in the evening if you're then going out and doing more exercise there's an argument to say that we need to refuel and, and replenish the glycogen so that you're ready for that evening session but actually the majority of them might be finishing training going home and resting so now do we need a substantial amount of carbs in the evening or do we reduce the carbohydrates down and bring that protein, vegetables and salad right up so that we can still consume an amazing amount of calories, but we're now pulling the carbs down, bringing in everything else. And then, of course, I would always advise a, a high protein snack before in that 30 to 45 minute window before bed so that they can promote the overnight recovery. Um, in terms of kind of total amounts, again, it's dependent on the player and, and, the, and the body weight of the player. Um, but we, we know from the literature that rugby players may consume in and around that two to three, maybe four gram per kilo on training days. 
and then as they're entering match day minus one and, and the and the day of the game, then that would rock it up to about six to eight gram per kilo. And that's carbohydrates. So it's right? um correct, that's carbohydrates. And and the analogy that I've used recently actually is almost like a DJ at his decks and you've got the two sliders on, on the DJ decks and what you're assessing is what does my day look like? Do I need to flick up carbohydrates and protein and remain high all day long? Or actually, do I need to have my hands on both of them and almost undulate the carbohydrates and the protein throughout the day to match what I'm trying to do that day? And then you can also then play that track over the course of the week as well, because we know that every day is different. Wednesday might be a complete rest day. So carbohydrate arguably would flick down and we keep it a little bit lower, but protein would flick up, if that makes sense. Absolutely, mate. And wh- when you look at that, uh, that framework, what kind of meals would you include in that? Like, what would you, what would you say for, for a breakfast and a post snack and a lunch? How, how would that look in terms of food on a plate? Yeah. I mean, like I said before, the, the error would be not eating anything. The almost second error would be a bowl of golden nuggets or wheat a bit, um, or wheat, wheatos that, okay. Yes. There's an, an element of carbohydrates sugary carbs but minimal protein so what we would advise is is what listeners probably know already to be a good breakfast which would be um i i always like to see my players having a one well probably more than one but two to three eggs scrambled poached whatever um maybe one or two slices of of wholemeal toast and then if it's a really heavy training day we might also throw in there a bowl of porridge a banana and then maybe a glass of milk, quite a substantial breakfast, but they're now about to go and have an eight hour training day where there's, you know, 60 minutes in the gym, then they're doing skills, then they're out on the field for 90 minutes in the afternoon. So a breakfast for me like that would be a, a high protein, high carb breakfast. If in the morning they're actually just doing a light skill session, then there's an argument to say, do you know what? We don't need that amount of carbohydrates. So let's bring one of those carb options out. Let's maybe not have the oats and the banana, but let's bring in another egg, um, glass of milk, and then let's bring in some Greek yogurt, maybe with some blueberries, strawberries, and raspberries. So you can see how the the, the carb content drop, drops down slightly, but we're bringing in other calories so that they're still having a good breakfast, but the macronutrient composition of that breakfast has changed. Absolutely brilliant stuff, mate. I think uh, that's some really good take-home messages as well for people to to get creative with and uh, yeah, to apply the the science as well as opposed to to seeing these numbers on uh, on paper, but then not seeing that on a plate. So I think that's some excellent advice, mate. Um, and we we spoke earlier about uh, the book that you've just released as well. So can you tell us like what that is and and who would then benefit from that? Yeah, so I guess super proud moment for me, really. Um, I had this idea about a year ago of of collating all of the insights, reflections and advice from current elite performing practitioners in our industry that are working with professional athletes and sport. Um, and so I've gone out and I've interviewed what I believe to be 10 world-class practitioners um, and I've asked them about their journeys into the world of performance nutrition, the biggest lessons that they've learned, what would they advise their, their younger self if they could enter the industry again now, 
what books do they recommend that current nutrition students go out and buy and read? Um, and then the golden question for it all is, in, in, in their eyes, what makes a successful performance nutritionist? Um, and so I've, I've written this book. We've put it together, and it's the pre-sales are out now. It should be out before Christmas as, as, the, as a tangible copy. Um, but it's been amazing, mate. I, I've genuinely learned from every single one of them who I know already very well in the industry, but there's just so many golden nuggets in there for current sport and exercise nutrition and science students that uh, have got a passion about our industry and want to get go and get a job as a nutritionist um, when they finish their studies. Likewise, strength and conditioning coaches, sports scientists that want to learn a little bit more about nutrition and our industry and the translation actually from some of the lessons that our guys have gone through into other disciplines is there to be seen. Um, and I've already had a number of sports scientists and strength and conditioning coaches buy the book um, and, and they're excited to read it as well. Absolutely brilliant stuff, mate. So James, massive thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure talking and uh, look forward to the next one. All good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. And uh, yeah, take care. Look after yourself. You too, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to James for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to get in there. There's a host of different lectures, including some from James himself. So if you've enjoyed it today, click the link in the show notes where you can get free access for seven days using that link. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, I would also really appreciate it if you can give us a like and a share on social media and a rating and a review as well on whichever podcast sender you're listening to. That obviously helps us keep bringing in the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.